Do you remember the first time you encountered a Deanne Arbus photo? For me, I think it may have been the eerie photograph she made of identical twins wearing matching black dresses with white collars. It was the subject that got me first, then the expert composition. And I realized that as I looked at her photographs, I would find myself dreaming up stories behind the people pictured. As children, we are taught that it isn't polite to stare. And of course, as you grow up, the urge doesn't just go away. But when I look at Arbus's photos, it is as if I can hear her saying, it's okay, you can look. You can look as long as you want, as long as you need. The individuals she photographed were willing subjects, and somehow, you can tell they trusted her. At Sotheby's, we handle a lot of Arbus prints. We see ones that were made after her death by her estate, as well as prints that Arbus made herself, which can sell for six figures. I always look forward to looking at them, and also to talking about them. Therefore, I was very excited when Steven Shainberg, director of the film Fur, an imaginary portrait of Deanne Arbus, agreed to chat with me about the development of his screenplay, his own take on Arbus, her work, and how Robert Downey Jr. covered in fur is both curiously enticing while also disturbing. This is The Expert Eye. I wanted to talk to you because of your personal connection to Dan Arbus. And I think that because you had this connection and you sort of grew up with her, even though you didn't meet her, Mm -hmm. it made you uniquely capable of telling a story about her or uh, a story based on her. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, to give you a little history of the attempts to make a movie about Arbus. Um, Ed Pressman, the famous, wonderful, independent film producer, owned the rights to the Patty Bosworth biography for many, many years. And he developed many, many scripts before me, um, all of which were kind of cradle to grave, straight ahead biopics um, of her that Uh, by necessity, because the time period were extremely expensive to make. And for that reason, never got made. And um, I was uh, seeing Ed about some other uh, project um, that we were contemplating doing together. And he sort of offhandedly said to me, hey, do you know who Deanne Arbus is? And would it ever interest you to make a movie about her? And I said... I actually have a movie in my mind about her, but it's not a straight ahead biopic. And he at that time, just by chance, was coming to the conclusion that he needed to find a cheaper way to make the movie and maybe a more unusual way to make the movie. And um, so my film kind of evolved from there, but certainly just going back to the um, central point of your question, I think because I grew up with her images on the walls of my childhood home and um, in drawers of my childhood home where you would go and reach for a rolling pin to make something in the kitchen and there would be an Arbus print sort of tossed in there. I mean, truly, it was literally like that. 
Um, and she was part of sort of the lore of the family, um, as were many other downtown New York artists who were part of that scene uh, from the 60s and the 70s, um, even the 50s. But um, I, I had been looking at and leafing through her book um, for my whole childhood. And I really do think that in some very fundamental, almost undefinable way, uh, she entered my visual and artistic DNA. So the answer is, I think I really was uniquely suited, at least to make the kind of film that I was capable of making. Um, lots of Arbus people, I'm sure, would like to have the Cradle to Grave uh, film and that would be cool too i would love to see it i just couldn't make that movie were, were there any images that you were familiar with um that formed a sort of starting place for how you wanted to tell the movie or characters that you wanted to use in the movie i mean if i had to answer that question i would say that the images of of the dwarf in the with the little towel on in what appears to be a hotel room and the image of the Jewish giant. And part of the reason that those two, uh, well, let me put it this way. The images of the dwarf suggest to me that she slept with him. And, the Im and one always heard stories that she had slept with the Jewish giant. And there were many other stories, and this has been addressed in subsequent biographies and so forth, that she had sexual and complicated long-term relationships with many of her subjects. And that, plus the images of these uh, unusual people, um, created an enormous curiosity in me, I think as a kid and certainly as an adult. One of the things about Arbus's photographs that I think is unspoken and totally unique, unlike any other photographer's work, is this energized, uh, and by energized, I mean energy in the picture, um, relationship between the camera, which is to say her, and the subject. Something is going on in the way the subject is looking at her and experiencing her that is totally unusual and that you feel. And that feeling was in a way the root of the movie. The feeling that she had for unusual, these unusual people and her courage and her curiosity and her tenderness and her wish to be known by them and to know them, that is the root of the movie. And I think they're root of her work. I think it's interesting to hear you say that because it was something that I was thinking about the other day about how close, just physically close she is in a lot of the images. And then there's something else about the way that they react, her subject reacts to her, that they are allowing her to look and look long. You know, not yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And it's in a way... Um, as I say, maybe this is because I grew up with the 
the photographs um, as a kid um, and also heard talk of her and where she was going and how she, you know, many of her friends at the time were worried about the danger of what she was willing to do and where she was willing to go. Um, I thought that she was in physical danger. Yeah, I mean, you know, that she was going into places that were scary. Not that she was a war photographer, but yeah, that there would be possibilities of actually her getting hurt and what was she doing and what was she willing to do. But I think all of that, um, and, the th you know, this, this, you know, for lack of a better word, intimacy in the pictures that you're talking about, I, I think that's entirely what I'm always hoping for and wanting to see whether it's in my work or in somebody else's movie. Um, it's, it's what excites me the most and, and uh, I find the most compelling, you know? And I, it's funny because, you know, it's, it, this is a good moment to be talking about it because I, I recently went through um, the, I think it was Christie's or Sotheby's, I can't remember which had the, had the uh, auction and there were a lot of her pictures and I was just scrolling through them. And I was, and, and even the most ordinary picture for a magazine of, you know, uh, I don't know, just, you know, some celebrity at the time, you know, commercial work that she did. Even those pictures I look at and I think these are so unusual and so beautiful mm -hmm. and so intriguing. And, you know, um, the, the question of what is intriguing about them uh, is, is, you know, it's, it's, it's up for interpretation and one has to feel it. But um, that was kind of what made me think the best way to make a movie about her really is in her relationship to a single subject. That you can't, you can't attempt to do the whole thing. Um, there's just too much there. It's too complicated and, and so on. Um, well, by making that subject a composite of maybe several different people or strengths. I mean, mm -hmm. talk about the development of that character a little bit. Well, I mean, I think it would have been a mistake from my point of view to try to do her relationship to one of the real people that she photographed. Um, because you'd then be in the quagmire of reality. And um, the truth is she wasn't, from my point of view, and certainly, I mean, look, I've, I've read a lot about her and I've done a lot of research and, and I've probably read everything that's been written about her nearly. Um, she was involved in a kind of fairy tale existence of her own. And in a certain way, the people that she was photographing were figures in a fairy tale. And so from my point of view, at least with, if, if you accept that as a starting point, the character in a movie that she was going to have a relationship with needed to be a made up character. It needed to be somebody who one could uh, imagine and not be locked into reality um, because that's the problem in general with biopics. People feel like they have to deliver on, you know, the, the basic truths of that person's 
life, and that makes sense in certain contexts. But the thing that attracted me or even made me want to do a movie about her is that that's how I was seeing her. I was seeing her as a character in a fairy tale, and I believed, and I still believe, that she, at least in part, saw herself too as a character in a fairy tale. So, um, you know, starting with that, the question then became, okay, if you're going to make up a guy, who is he? What is he? And, you know, he kind of had to be sexy. You know, he had to be appealing. You didn't want to see her, you know, with the elephant man. You know, it, it, it had to have like a kind of a weird charge to it. Sort of um, playfulness and, and attraction to him, but it also he's a little scary too. And so, you know, it, it plays really well with this fairy tale idea of, of getting to know someone that scares you a little bit, but is also really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, it's, it, it, there's an element of beauty in the beast, not just to the movie, but to her life. So he did need to have some uh, quality of a sort of enigmatic threat that you wouldn't be able to define, but that you would feel. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, on that level it worked. And, and by the way, there, there is a, a character not somebody she photographed, but a circus character who was covered with hair and who one could imagine had she had the opportunity to photograph him, she would have. But it also gives you this fantastic filmic opportunity and metaphor, which is to then take the hair off. You know, if someone's hairy and hidden, it allows them to be shaved and revealed. And that's in a way, what the whole movie's about. Mm -hmm. As you were saying, her subjects seem to offer something to her which um, most photographic subjects don't offer the photographer. So it made sense in the movie that she only gets to photograph him once he is shaved. Once he's revealed once he's exposed, once he's naked, then the photograph occurs. And to me, that's the metaphor of all Arbus photographs. Adams has these long conversations with <laughs> Abigail and no one calls them on it and says, well, we don't know if that's what they were saying. I mean, of course they made the whole thing up based on what we can- Oh, assume. that's another thing, which is, I mean, I think that's another reason why those movies can often feel false because they're claiming to be something which they're incapable of being right. right you 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 naturally take dramatic uh liberty even if you're telling what you consider to be the most straight ahead retelling of their childhood and their middle age and their later years right so you're always going to be falsifying um and maybe there's maybe there's a way you know, um, I, I like movies that are about real people that only deal with, say, a day or an evening. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't know, the, the, the Renee Zellweger, Judy Garland thing that just isolated it, you know, to a kind of a singular moment. And 
I think that can work because then you're just saying, well, we're not dealing with this person's whole life. We're dealing with this pivotal shift and that's it. And we're not doing any more. And we hope we can convey as much as we possibly can about them that feels truthful. Um, but the minute you're dealing with a lot of time and big, big sets and, and, and lots of different characters that they interacted with and sort of the greatest hits of their life, you're sunk. How much do we really want to know about our idols? How much do we want to know about their personal life and um, what was happening behind the camera? Maybe you just yeah. want to look at the pictures and not know too much about the biography. I mean, she was fascinating, yeah. and I think a lot of people feel very um, interested and, and somewhat protective of her a legacy um, story as well. Um, yeah, but you know, I mean, I think the real news is the best news. I mean, and the reason for that is it, if you really look at what the struggles are, you realize they're not so different from your own and they're more poignant and of more use to you um, in your own life if you break through the idealization. You know, there's no such thing as somebody who doesn't have doubt and sadness and depression in one way or another and a lot of um you know a lot of the the story that you find is in that way inspiring you know it's 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 more useful to be able to say this this person was struggling with a lot of complexity and so am i and they found a way through that's 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 more meaningful to me than you know putting somebody on a pedestal this episode of the expert eye was edited by yvonne Suro and bed stye brooklyn i want to extend a huge thank you to stephen shainberg for his time and insight Steve directed another great film, Secretary, which has achieved a sort of cult status. While it's definitely not one for the kids, it's a fantastic film. Check out theexperteye.org for film trailers and more. Finally, remember to Google cautiously, blacklight judiciously, and do not handle prints under the influence of intoxicants.